Welcome to the podcast, Think Biblically, conversations on faith and culture. I'm your host, Sean McDowell, professor of apologetics at Talbot School of Theology, Biola University. And I'm your co-host, Scott Ray, dean of faculty and professor of Christian ethics, also at Talbot School of Theology at Biola University. Today, we're here with a guest that I have enjoyed being a guest on his show for a number of years now, and I'm glad to have him in the line of fire, so to speak. If you follow theology and apologetics, you will recognize the name Justin Brierly because he hosts one of my favorite podcasts called Unbelievable and has a book of the same title that we're going to discuss today. Justin, thanks so much for joining us. It's an absolute pleasure to be with you, uh, Sean and Scott. Thank you so much for the opportunity. And you will recognize uh, the accent that he lives in England and is joining us from afar. So that makes it especially fun, even though you and I have done events together in person. Well, let's jump in. And I want to talk about your book and the podcast and uh, these conversations you're having now, so fascinating, called The Big Conversations. But you've been hosting for over a decade this radio program, and the book came out of that. Typically, a Christian uh, in a conversation with an atheist, with a Muslim, with somebody of a different faith, and you've learned a ton coming out of these engagements. We want to hear some of the lessons you've learned hosting these conversations, but first, I'd be really curious to hear about your personal journey to faith becoming a Christian. Thank you. Well, um, yeah, it's it's been a really interesting one, and in that the unbelievable show, in some ways, has very much been part of the journey of coming to understand my faith more uh, over the well 14 years now that uh, that I've been running the show but really my own journey began as a child I grew up in a Christian family and I'd say that really faith became real for me in my um, mid to late teens Um, it was really through uh, a great youth pastor and a, a peer group and a youth group that I was able to kind of develop that faith for myself and um, there was one particular night actually um, really on a youth retreat when everything came together if you like the penny dropped and it turned from being something where I just turned up with my parents really and and did it because I'd kind of inherited it from them into a living faith of my own and and that for me was was the moment where I'd say I I really became a a follower of Christ in my own right um but obviously those experiences are great but but very often um faith changes and evolves over time I I had lots to learn there was um lots of questions I had when I went to university for instance and I met you know some um pretty compelling atheists there people who had objections to faith and and I began to read authors like C.S. Lewis and others um as I started to kind of explore some of the answers that were out there and at the time I didn't call that apologetics I didn't really know what that word meant but um as it turned out that became um something that was obviously important later on as I started the unbelievable show because it gave me an opportunity to really engage with some of those big questions and objections to Christian faith uh so that was kind of where things started for me um and yeah and the unbelievable show kind of was a natural continuation of that once I got into radio I decided hey I think this would be a great way of um continuing to unpack and explore the Christian faith doing these these dialogue shows. So so that's where things began for me. So Justin, if for our listeners who are not familiar with your show Unbelievable, I want to I want to encourage all of our listeners that this is this is if you if you only listen to a handful of these programs, yours is one that they need to listen to. Because uh, I am not familiar with anything that's quite like it out there. Uh, so tell us a little bit about the it's it's a combination podcast radio show. Tell us a little bit about it and what makes it so different. 
Yeah, well, I, I actually began the show, yeah, I guess it was a, over 14 years ago, believe it or not. And uh, initially it wasn't a podcast. It was just a radio show on a Saturday afternoon. In fact, it's, it's more or less stayed in its radio slot uh, for, for the whole of those 14 years. Um, but essentially, I, I was working for a Christian radio station in the UK. We don't have many of those in the UK and not nearly as many as, as you guys have in the States. But I went to the, the director of the station saying, I think it would be great to have an opportunity at least once a week in our schedule where we actually model what it's like to have conversations with non-Christians because most of the people listening, frankly, are constantly alongside non-Christian friends, neighbours and relatives. And so, um, yeah, I was given the opportunity to do it. It was it was a bit of an experiment, to be honest, and not not everyone enjoyed it to begin with. You know, I, one of the frequent complaints I had early on was we've we've got enough atheists on the BBC. Do we really need them on a Christian radio station? You know, so so I, I kind of had to overcome some of that skepticism from some parts of the Christian community initially. But I think the people who enjoyed it really loved it and and they wanted more of it those who maybe weren't so into it they just learned to avoid that hour and a half on a saturday afternoon um but it was really um uh, yeah an experiment that actually really worked because uh, i i just loved hosting these discussions between christians and non-christians um i learned an awful lot along the way i think it helped me to think through my faith and, and develop a case for god and think through what the rational arguments are for christianity um, and, and I think it's helped a lot of other people do the same. And, and in time, of course, it developed not just a Christian audience who listened to these conversations, but also a non-Christian audience. Because once we did start podcasting the show, we started to pick up a lot of atheist, agnostic um, people of other faiths. And and that was really exciting because then the show really became a kind of a meeting space for people of all different kinds um, to come on, to have to make their case, uh, to hear both sides. And I've just enjoyed being the moderator of, you know, literally hundreds of those discussions now over the years. And so so that's that's where it all began, really, though. So, Justin, just to follow up quickly on that, uh, I think to help our listeners appreciate the, the breadth of guests that you have, have had on the program. Tell us tell us uh, some, who are who are some of the guests that you've had that might be some of the more uh, outspoken, aggressive, maybe militant atheists. Uh, that people might recognize uh, that you wouldn't normally think would be on Christian radio. Sure, sure. Well, um, obviously, perhaps one of the best known in the world is is Richard Dawkins, who wrote The God Delusion about, I don't know, 12 or 13 years ago now, and um, very much uh, has been seen as the spokesperson of the new atheism. And the show really started around the time, actually, that that book came out. So um, so I've managed to have him on a couple of times on the show. Once was a sort of an interview I managed to get with him at a live event. Another time he came on to debate the Old Testament with a, a Christian and a rabbi. Um, so that's perhaps one of the most famous names in the atheist community who's been on the show. Uh, I tried to get him on recently, actually. He, he had a, a kind of follow up book to The God Delusion come out the end of last year but uh, unfortunately we he, he hasn't said yes yet to coming on again but I'd, I'd love to get him back on and um yeah I, I guess um some of some of the well-known atheists I've had on over the years um Peter Atkins is is fairly well known he's a another Oxford kind of uh, atheist um his background is chemistry and and he's one of the more I would say dogmatic <laughs> of the uh, the atheists out there um so whenever I had him on it's always maybe good entertainment, but I'm not sure it, it necessarily produces the most fruitful kinds of conversations. But nonetheless, um, it's always fun when I do have him on. 
Um, and yeah, uh, you know, it, 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 there's there's a great variety. Uh, Lawrence Krauss, um, uh, he's a well-known atheist physicist from the USA, uh, who's been on it probably twice now over the years. Um, let me see. Um, uh, uh, Michael Shermer. Uh, yeah, pretty well-known atheist skeptic. Uh, he uh, He's the editor of Skeptic magazine uh, in the USA again. Um, and plenty of homegrown atheists as well, of one kind or another. Bart Ehrman, um, well-known uh, New Testament critic. And um, because he actually does have family in the UK, I, I quite often get him in studio uh, uh, when he's over and we do debates on biblical subjects and that kind of thing. So, uh, yeah, uh, there, and there are many, many more um, that uh, I, I could tell you about. But, yeah, that's just at least a few of the names that have been on over the years. I listen to your show regularly and enjoy and especially appreciate that you really try to be fair to both sides and get to substance, but in a respectful fashion. And sometimes it gets spicy, just the nature of a guest or the na- nature of a topic. But I'm curious, how do you balance like the reality that provocation generates a wider audience, but you also just want to foster good conversation in itself? Yeah, it's always a tricky balance um, because inevitably part of the reason people tune into the show and, and download the podcast is because they want to hear something a little bit unusual, entertaining, dramatic, and having the the dialogue debate format tends to do that. And so if you do get two really sparky individuals on, um, I mean, just recently um, we, we're running this big conversation series and probably one of the sparkiest editions we did of that was uh, Tom Holland, who's a historian here in the UK, alongside A.C. Grayling, who's a well-known atheist philosopher, and they were debating um, whether Christianity gave us our human values and the history of Christianity. And and they really you know, went for it. Um, I don't know if either of you guys have had a chance to listen to that one, but two, two people who really know their stuff, but who, who, you know, were not afraid of kind of clashing. Um, and in that case, you know, I, I so enjoy actually hosting those kinds of discussions because it's exciting. Uh, the adrenaline gets going, but you're also learning a heck of a lot along the way. And so I think it's kind of the best of both worlds when you get the right sort of dynamic going on in the studio. There are times when it tips over too much into uh, a combative or almost aggressive form of, of debating. And, and that's when you know you're not doing such a good job for the audience because people are talking over each other or they're even, you know, descending sometimes, I'm afraid to say it has happened in the history of the show, into name calling and that kind of thing. <laughs> so, so there are definitely times when it's it's not so good. But um, most of the time, I don't want people to kind of, I, I want people to get on, but I don't want them to agree too much because actually there are plenty of, you know, Christian radio shows out there where people are agreeing with each other because they're basically coming from the same point of view. This is meant to be a show where we hear uh, two different perspectives and um, and most of the time it happens in a fairly fruitful kind of way and and if it starts to get too heated I'm just there to kind of helpfully move things along and steer things hopefully in a more fruitful direction and and that does happen most of the time. Now Justin in the 14 years that you've been leading the show uh, have the kinds of questions that you're that you're addressing or the kinds of questions that listeners are raising have, how have those changed over the years? I think that's a great question because um, as I say, really the show began really, I'd say at the apex almost of the new atheism when books like the God delusion and God is not great by Christopher Hitchens and other things were being published. These kind of diatribes really against Christianity and faith in general. Um, 
And so we've done a lot of those discussions over the years. We've kind of followed those conversations and, and had some of those characters on and 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 we've done a lot of those kind of, you know, really central big issues around the existence of God, philosophical arguments for God, um, the, you know, arguments for the resurrection, the historicity of the Bible and everything else. And we still do, you know, quite a bit of that. But where I'd say the conversation has moved on, especially in the last few years, is I think to some extent, the that new atheism has kind of run its course a little bit. I think it, the, the influence is starting to wane, certainly in the public sort of sphere um you still get a lot of obviously internet atheists who are basically regurgitating christopher hitchens or dawkins but but actually in the public sphere by and large most atheists i meet are actually saying look don't don't judge me by those guys you know they're 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 too dogmatic for me themselves you know they they represent another form of fundamentalism essentially and and actually the conversation has moved on a bit to the point where actually Many people and many, you know, secular people I find these days are recognizing actually the value of religion. They're not simply saying, let's toss this all out and start again. They're saying, hang on a minute. Um, what happens if we do away with religion? What what story do we live by? Um, can secularism provide the foundations for our culture? Um, are we going to open up to other things like Islam or something else to, to fill the void, if you like? And so I've been running more and more into secular thinkers, people like the person I mentioned, Tom Holland, but also Douglas Murray and um, some of those folk who make up what's loosely called the intellectual dark web, Jordan Peterson and, and other people who who, although they're coming from a secular point of view, they're saying uh, atheism doesn't necessarily have the answers for our culture. And that's producing a fascinating conversation where we're finding actually some commonalities between what Christians are offering and the things they're saying and some of these secular thinkers and speakers saying, actually, we need to have a better dialogue. We need to look at what religion actually might be doing right um, as much as we don't necessarily agree with, with, you know, the, the doctrines or, or whatever. And so I've, I've increasingly been having some of those conversations in the last, you know, 18 months to two years. I had um, Jordan Peterson, who's been something of a phenomenon, obviously the Canadian psychology professor um, debating, you know, can you know can we have meaning without god essentially and and he came on not as a christian per se but nonetheless sounding for all the world like a christian apologist at points in that discussion um very recently i had douglas murray on my show with a brilliant young christian thinker called esther o'reilly and douglas murray you know a very um clever intellectual writer thinker an atheist himself but he describes himself as a christian atheist and, and again he's very um, you know, he's very he, he he doesn't have any time for the kind of dismissal of Christian religion. He says, actually, if we lost Christianity, we would lose the thing that's really bound our culture together. And so we just had the most fascinating discussion with him on, on almost his yearning, actually, for Christianity, how he wishes he could be a Christian. Um, and so those are very different conversations to the ones we were having like 10 years ago, you know, and, and I just think it's it's a sign of the way that our culture is actually moving and realizing uh, what we might be missing if we if we jettison Christianity. So would you say you're encouraged by where the conversation is going or discouraged or is it just a change and that's the nature of the world we live in? Well certainly it's always a change and, and you can never predict where things will go necessarily but I am actually encouraged by by this uh, in as much as I, I think um, it didn't take long I think for the luster to fade on this new atheist project you know it's been so interesting actually to watch the way that 
various parts of that movement have more or less self imploded as they've kind of come to realize that well just saying god is dead isn't enough because actually it turns out they can't agree amongst themselves about what the next best thing to do is because they all disagree on you know um issues around lgbt or freedom of speech or whatever it might be and and i think what it it teaches us is that um you can you can tear down christianity you can tear down religion but you we all have to live in something we all have to have a story a narrative that drives our life and and you soon realize that people kind of it's not long before actually people realize maybe there was something in this christianity thing maybe the the kind of purpose and direction that's given people for literally millennia uh, isn't something we can simply throw out so quickly so I, i'm quite encouraged by that and i think there's a huge opportunity actually because we're living in a culture where people are you know so materially in a sense wealthy um we've got huge technological advance we're incredibly distracted and diverted and entertained at, at every moment in our life now thanks to our smartphones and netflix and everything else and yet we live in this culture which is absolutely crying out and thirsty for meaning and and the church i think ha, ha, still has in front of it an enormous opportunity to speak into that void um uh, it turns out that secularism isn't going to do the job and i i think actually it's it, it's an amazing opportunity we've got presented before us i heard a debate with Christopher Hitchens a number of years ago, and he was asked, do you find any evidence for the Christian faith compelling at all? If you had to pick one, what would you pick? And he said, you know, the fine-tuning kind of gives me a little bit of pause. I'm curious, in, in the conversation you've hosted and you've been in, do any consistent arguments or issues come up that just seem the most difficult for skeptics and atheists to deal with, or at least get their attention and give them pause? Yeah, I mean, that that's definitely one that certainly has come up a number of times the fine tuning and i personally find it a, a fascinating and interesting argument myself um i remember having a an oxford atheist professor peter millican on the show he actually did a, a debate um with william lane craig as, as part of a tour that i helped to organize in the uk and he also said that he said if there's one argument that that i've really had to struggle with as an atheist it's the fine tuning of the universe he recognized the power of that argument um but it, but the one I say I'd say that for me I've always found the most compelling personally is the moral argument. Mm. And again, just briefly for those who maybe aren't familiar with it, it it's simply the, this idea that um, we all recognise that there are certain values and duties that exist. Um, you know, most of us do believe in the idea that there is such a thing as good. Uh, and evil um, that there are ways we should treat each other and ways we shouldn't treat each other uh, and that these aren't simply you know um, relativistic they're not simply the byproduct of a given time or culture that if say racism is wrong well that's always been wrong it's not just happens to be wrong today but it was fine the other day um, and I generally find that most atheists and skeptics whether they like it or not find it difficult to disagree with that and of course the next question is well if ultimately reality is simply composed of matter in motion, where on earth does this moral realm exist? Where does this objective realm of moral values and duties come from? And for me, I've always found theism, God, uh, a really great explanation for that, a, a consistent explanation. Uh, and I, I found naturalism, um, you know, the idea that all that ex ultimately exists is matter in motion, doesn't make sense of that most basic intuition we have, that, that there really are right and wrong ways to live in the world. 
And um, and I think that comes out in all kinds of different ways. So so often, you know, a, a conversation might go in the direction of, you know, issues around justice and human rights. And I mean, many atheists who are, you know, very passionate about those issues. But when I ask them, well, upon what basis do you stand on that base? You know, what's the grounding for believing that we all have this inherent dignity and value? You know, that's that's the watchword of many of my humanist friends. You know, we all have this intrinsic value and dignity. But if we are just ultimately a bag of molecules, where, what, what, why, why am I bound to treat you in that way? What, you know, and, and I think it's, it's for me, um, because it's, it's an argument that goes to the center of who we are and what we value. It's, it's even more powerful than those kind of quite grand scientific arguments like the fine tuning of the universe, because it's something that it's hard not to recognize within ourselves and so for me, that's always been one of the most powerful arguments. And if I'm honest, I think I've seen more people actually cross the line ultimately to theism, to Christianity because of that argument than actually things like wow. the tuning of the universe. That's very, very yeah. interesting. Justin, let me, let me turn Sean's question on its head and ask you to take the, the arguments that you think have been the most difficult for your Christian guests or your theists guests to answer what what have those been um i mean in in some form or another it often revolves around the, the problem of evil and suffering but i'd say that the toughest form of that question is very often when the finger gets pointed at, at god himself and, and especially the old testament i think where where christians often get unstuck is when um they're 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 forced to kind of, you know, confront some of those difficult passages in the Old Testament where God appears to be commanding, you know, the slaughter of men, women and children and, and those sorts of passages that uh, with warfare and slavery and all that. And I think um, I, I think that's that that one is, you know, tough. It's one where I'm still putting together the pieces of how I understand scripture and the, the big sweep of this narrative and everything else. It, just <laughs> literally this weekend, just gone, uh, I was you know, conducting my youth group. Um, and we've got a couple of um, young guys in, in the Sunday youth group who are asking kind of difficult questions. And, and and we were talking about the story of Moses, the call of Moses. That was our subject for the for the Sunday. And their first question was, yeah, but what about when, you know, God commanded the, the, the newborn children to die? You know, uh, they were kind of talking about the Passover events and so on. And and I kind of had to sit them down and we kind of went through it. And I think we got somewhere, but it is a tough question. You know, there's no doubt that those issues seem to be front and center. A lot of the time when I do a discussion with an atheist, if I, if I say, if we're getting somewhere, maybe in the conversation, maybe they're recognizing that there's something in this whole God thing. Um, one of the first things they will often reach for as an objection is, yeah, but don't ask me to believe in the God of the Bible because look at what happened there. So I think that's maybe one of the toughest ones um, and one that I've certainly spent quite a bit of time looking at different ways in which you can approach that that kind of objection. I wonder, too, when you when you say suffering and the problem of evil, if the if the issue of natural evil, uh, you know, sort of these indiscriminate hurricanes, earthquakes, typhoons, uh, I've I've heard that as a very common objection to the goodness of God. It's not not things you can point at any specific person, but you can point at God being the the, the sovereign of the universe. 
Uh, and yet, how, how do you answer some of those questions that have to do with natural evil? Do you find that to be a particularly challenging area for your some of your Christian guests? Yeah, I mean, absolutely. That that frequently is one that comes up as well. So, to some extent, I I it's it's a little bit easier, I think, for most of us to answer the problem of suffering and evil when it comes to to human evil, because obviously we can talk about the fact that God has granted humans freedom and that. Um, the 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 cost of that freedom is is that we can use it for evil purposes. But yes, natural evil, hurricanes, illness, whatever it might be, um, earthquake, that that seems to be something that's beyond human control. And and therefore, you would ask, why would a god allow a world in which those kinds of um, issues predominate? Um, for me, um, I, I find it quite helpful to kind of take a step back and look at the bigger picture of the Christian story there. And to say, well, well, what what is it that we Christians believe about this universe we live in? And we obviously have a story in which the universe is out of kilter. Something's gone wrong um, at the very center of it. Um, there is this evil that that exists. And um, in, in some mysterious way that is linked to us humans, it, it is somehow linked into the fact that we've chosen to rebel against God. But it, that it set the whole of creation kind of on a collision course so that at the same time that we see the extraordinary beauty of creation, um, you know, the, 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 the amazing way in which life develops um, the, the cells that we're created from. We, we also know that the flip side of that creation is that those very cells can mutate and become cancerous, you know, um, that the, the way the earth is constructed, you know, and the, uh, the, the way that the, the, the tectonic plates are able to allow the surface to be refreshed with minerals and the things it needs to be able for life to flourish. At the same time, those tectonic plates, when they, you know, crunch against each other, can cause devastation and, and earthquakes. And, and for me, I, 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 the way I've come to see it is that we live in a kind of uh, the tension of a creation that is both beautiful but broken, and that we are simply called as followers of God, as followers of Jesus, to, to live within that, to trust God within that, within that tension, and to look forward to and be part of that coming kingdom when everything will be set right, not just us, not just our relationships, but the whole of the created order. So for me, you know, those passages in Romans are central to understanding these issues, which is that the whole, the whole of creation groans, that we know that this isn't the way things should be. We know that um, th that there is going to be a day when God sets everything right. That is the Christian hope. But I think it's about helping the skeptic to kind of look at that big story and say, okay, it's, you know, I'm not going to probably convince you in, in just 20 minutes of talking here, but, but actually from the Christian perspective, we know something's gone wrong. As John Lennox puts it, uh, it's like a bomb has gone off <laughs> uh, and we see the, the majesty, but the ruins of this creation around us. And and for me, the Christian story is about helping people to realize the way in which through Christ, the whole of the created order will one day be set right. But the, we're we're kind of in that now, but not yet of the kingdom that, that is yet to come. So so that would be uh, my rather long winded way of, of responding to those kinds of issues uh, personally. That's that's a really helpful way to frame that. Uh, Justin, let me ask you one, another question here. You know, you've been you've been hosting this for a long time. I want to take this in a little bit more personal direction. What what's happened to the your level of confidence in your own faith 
as a result of hosting this program. You've, you've been knocking heads and interacting with a lot of people who think things that are really different than anything resembling a Christian worldview. What, what's the impact that that's had on your faith? Well, let me first of all say that, especially in the early years, um, I had a few sleepless nights. You know, very often having guests on the show forced me to confront issues I'd never even really thought about, to be honest. Um, you know, sometimes ignorance is bliss. And uh, if you simply aren't aware of certain problems or objections, you know, hey, that's fine. But sometimes you're forced to confront them when you kind of engage in apologetics, frankly, of any kind, but especially when you're inviting, if you like, the, the skeptics uh, and the objections live on air. But having said that, over the years, what, what I've discovered is that at the heart of the Christian faith, there's this incredibly strong historic core, um, which is quite different to any other religious tradition. Um, these The events at the center of Christianity of the life, death and resurrection of Jesus were public events. They were events that were of public record. They were not private hallucinations or visions or, you know, things written down on a gold tablet and no one's ever discovered. It it was, uh, and for me, that's that's really important. Uh, and getting to grips with the the history and the, the kind of the real worldness of Christianity was really helpful for me uh, in the course of doing the show. Um, and then at the same time, discovering the wealth of the intellectual tradition in Christianity, um, some of the extraordinary philosophers and theologians who have, you know, given us all the tools to think about the world and the universe and God. Um, and and just just some of the extraordinary, I think, strong arguments for for theism, for God, from philosophy. Um, all of that has obviously been a massive boost to my own faith. Not that any of this sort of um, replaces the need for trusting in God and, and having that personal relationship with God. But at the same time, it, it gave me the tools, I think, when I did encounter objections of various kinds to start to understand what those objections were and, and actually how to fit them into and respond to it from a kind of holistic Christian worldview. Um, and so so in a way, after you know, as the title of my book goes, why after 10 years of talking with atheists, I'm still a Christian. I found that actually it, it was hearing the atheist point of view, processing it, putting it through the mill, trying to get to grips with it and hearing some of the best Christian responses has actually... Um, toughened up my faith. Um, so often I meet Christians who frankly run a mile if they hear an objection because because they're fearful, they're, they're worried that their faith may not stand this particular objection or whatever. Uh, in my experience, actually, meeting some of those challenges head on and being willing to kind of go the distance with them and really engage them. Um, it's It's kind of that proverb of iron sharpens iron. I think ultimately you end up with a far tougher faith that's not so brittle when you've actually confronted some of these challenges and realized there are really good answers there if you're willing to stick it out and and make the time and, and look into them. And so in a way, the, the book I wrote was really trying to kind of pass on a little bit of what I feel has been really helpful to me in starting to put the pieces together about, you know, at the core of Christianity, what are we looking at and why is it so defensible and why, frankly, does it make more sense of the world than other ways of looking at the world. And the prime one I kind of compare and contrast it with is atheism, is naturalism. And for me, that's so important to actually, that we're not simply saying, does Christ, you know, is there evidence for Christianity? We've also got to say, well, okay, 
we may not understand everything in the Christian worldview, but let's look at the evidence for the other ones as well. Um, and when I actually look at naturalism as an explanation of the world we live in, the universe, the, the, our, our nature of moral creatures and all kinds of other aspects of reality, I, I suddenly realize, wow, Christianity stands up really well against that, actually, because there's all kinds of holes and deficiencies that I can see in, in the naturalistic account of, of reality. And, and for me, that's been a really helpful process along the way. That's a great way to describe it in terms of toughening up your faith. That's how I would describe my experience, conversations, debates, that as I've entered into these atheist challenges and other skeptical challenges, part of me just doesn't want to go there. There's a nervousness, like, what am I going to find? But consistently as I go there, I discover Christianity makes sense. And even if I can't answer every question, it makes the best sense of the world. And there's this core truth, especially around the person of Jesus, that just makes sense. So your experience really, uh, really is valuable. You you model that in your book, Unbelievable, in the podcast, Unbelievable, but you also have been hosting these events called the Big Conversations. Can you tell us briefly about those? Yeah, well, um, we were in the fortunate position of getting uh, some funding um, to put on some special kind of video conversations. We Unbelievable, up till about uh, 2018 had really functioned really just as a podcast and and as a radio show obviously but it was really in 2018 we got our video side really going through these big conversation video discussion series in which we brought some of the biggest thinkers in the Christ, across the christian and atheist world together to debate some of the biggest questions and um so that as i said began with people like jordan peterson debating susan blackmore we had uh, in the first season atheists like daniel dennett and stephen pinker uh, and a number of others facing off against, you know, some big Christian thinkers. And uh, and we've continued that just in um, the, our most recent season. I, I mentioned already Tom Holland and AC Grayling, but another favourite from the last season that we had uh, was William Lane Craig getting to sit him down with one of the world's most eminent cosmologists, Sir Roger Penrose, to discuss God and the Big Bang and the universe. And and these, these conversations for me have really taken unbelievable kind of to the next level um, because we've been able to engage some really fascinating people and and conversations and so um yeah and 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 it's been a joy to see that and to see the video side now developing because of that we we've been able to put out put these out on youtube um uh, we've got a website the big show where you can watch them all and uh, and that's been a, a really great experience because it's kind of opened up the show suddenly to a whole new audience via youtube which is just a, a huge massive audience waiting to engage these questions and as far as i can see that you know maybe 80 percent of the people who watch these videos are, are atheists and that's ultimately who i want to reach with the with this stuff you know it's great to talk to christians and encourage them in their conversations but i also want to be directly you know making sure that atheists are hearing some of these conversations because you never know what might happen and i've seen it time and time again that that, that some it's just a conversation has put a stone in the shoe of an atheist uh, and it niggles away and you never know what might happen in in the course of time well justin i'm grateful for your friendship for one second your ministry you really just practice what we aim for at biola which is just to think biblically about everything but be solid on the truth but in a way that's soft on the edges in the sense of just being gracious and kind towards those who see the world differently. So I want to commend to our audience uh, your excellent book, Unbelievable. If you're listening to this podcast, Think Biblically, you will thoroughly enjoy the podcast, Unbelievable. And then check out The Big Conversations. 
Justin, thanks for coming on and just be encouraged. We're praying for you. We love you and keep up the good work. Guys, thank you so much. It's been an absolute pleasure to be with you. This has been an episode of the podcast, Think Biblically, conversations on faith and culture. To learn more about us and today's guest, Justin Brierly, and to find more episodes, go to biola.edu forward slash think biblically. That's biola.edu slash think biblically. If you enjoyed today's conversation, give us a rating on your podcast app and please consider sharing it with a friend. Thanks for listening. And remember, think biblically about everything.